Well, this morning we're continuing our series uh, as we're walking through uh, our new mission statement in a series called Rediscover. And what we're doing is we're rediscovering the, the unique mission that God has given us here at New Beginnings Baptist Church. And this morning, I want to talk about the pursuit, uh, the pursuit. And what I want to see this morning is the pursuit of the mission of God. What does it look like for you to live a life where you are pursuing the mission of God with all of who you are. This is the heartbeat. This is why I love our mission statement so much because it really helps us understand that we are to be owners of the mission of God individually, that every single one of us should live our life in pursuit of the mission of God that he has redeemed us for uh, uniquely every single day. Here's what I mean. Our mission statement is very clear. It's people connecting people to Jesus and is ever restoring life where we live, work, and play. This is what we believe God is creating here, a people connecting people to Jesus and is ever restoring life where we live, work, uh, and play. And here's what I love. Our, Our mission statement really clarifies for us that all of us are called to live a life of mission. In fact, two compliments uh, that I heard about our mission statement, or two responses to our mission statement that stood out to me uh, more than anything else that I heard. Number one, I had a guy say that our mission statement is the Great Commission for Dummies. So I love that because I feel like I am a dummy half the time, and so it fits right where my life is. The second thing that I love was really profound because we were getting some feedback from leaders and just said, what do, you, what do you like most about it? Do you see yourself in the mission? And here was what one leader said. They said, what I love about the mission statement is I can't hide from it. Like when it's people connecting people to Jesus and is ever restoring life where we live, work, and play, I'm either doing that or I'm not doing that. I can't hide from it. It's either part of my life or it's not part of my life. And so that, that's awesome because I want us to understand we have to be owners of the mission. That's the heartbeat of this, that this mission statement is not just a slogan for an organization. It's a lifestyle for those who belong to New Beginnings Baptist Church and say, hey, this is my church home. This is what we are called to do together. And this is what I'm called to live every single day as I go about my life, to be a person who exists to connect people to Jesus and is ever restoring life where I live, work, and play. Now, the reason I I emphasize this is because this requires a shift in the way that we see church. And we talked about this week one, that the church is not a meeting. uh, The church is not a location. The church is a people. Like we are the, the body of Christ. So when we gather together, the church is coming together. And when we leave, the church is scattering because we are the church. But, but oftentimes we miss this because we think of church only in the Sunday gathering. So like, for instance, some of you this morning or last night rather may have had a conversation with a friend or a family member that said, hey, you want to go to church tomorrow? And so your reference to church, really you were meaning, are we going to go to the Sunday gathering tomorrow? That's really what you were saying, but you just referred to it as the church because many people see the Sunday gathering as the sum total of what the church is. And this mission statement that we're embracing requires that we have a shift in the way that we see the Sunday gathering and what that means to be the church. Here's what I mean by this. Here's a misconception. Some people, they see the church gathering on Sundays. They see it like a battleship. Here's a battleship here. So a battleship has a job. A battleship is, is where soldiers get onto a boat. The boat goes to where the battle is. And then those soldiers fight from the boat 
and they deploy whatever weapons they have against the enemy from the boat, right? So the mission is happening on the boat with the soldiers, everyone in one location. This is how the mission uh, is accomplished. This is how the battle is fought on the boat. And this is where many people get confused because a lot of people live their Christian life and they think that the Sunday gathering is like a battleship. Like that when I go to church, I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna you know, study the Bible with Christians and I'm gonna listen to a sermon and I'm gonna bring lost friends here. And when I do those things, I'm living a life on mission. And when we live like this, we're treating the church like a battleship. Like, like whatever I do during the week, that's what I do. But when I come to church, I'm gonna bring somebody with me I'm gonna make sure I take good notes. I'm gonna go to a Bible study some point. I'm gonna make sure that I sing. And then I'm gonna make sure that when all of this is done, I'm serving, when all this is done, that's the mission. I'm in the mission. And here's the problem with that. That's a small view of your life. And I want you to hear me say this. Listen to me. Your serving is important and it's needed. You coming and being a part of this and singing and, and engaging is so incredibly important to what we are as the church. But listen to me, we are not a battleship and this, what we're doing this morning is not the mission. It's not. The mission is so much bigger than this. See, when you view your life like this, what you begin to think is, is that God has redeemed you so that you can just volunteer once a week at church and say that's a life on mission. But that's not at all what he has redeemed you for and called you to. There's so much more that he wants to do with your life than just once a week come and volunteer. And so we gotta change the way that we see this. Now, are there times when the church functions like a battleship? Sure, when we mobilize teams to go plant churches in other parts of the world and when we do missions here in the states and around the state of Texas or in the city, sure, we're coming together and we're working arm in arm and we're going and we're serving together, but that's not the primary place that the mission of New Beginnings Baptist Church is lived out. So that's the first misconception is we think of it as a battleship. I come and I bring and I serve and that's the mission. Here's the second way we see it. We see the church gathering as a cruise ship. Now the cruise ship, you, if you've ever been on a cruise, you know like a cruise has one purpose. That is to make you fat and happy. That's the only reason a cruise exists. Like you get on a boat, from the moment you get on the boat, you, you're not supposed to do anything that you don't wanna do. You can eat everything you wanna eat. So they, they eat what you want, when you want, how much you want. And like they, everything is catered to you. Like it is about entertainment and experience and you walking away going, man, I have been served for the entire trip. That's what a cruise is for, right? And so, but here's what's the problem in American culture. We have, we've treated church like a cruise ship. Where it really what we do on Sundays is that, man, we just want to roll out the red carpet. We want to make sure that we're serving you the best we can. You want to make sure that, that you have everything you need. The coffee is hot. And if it could be your brand, that would be incredible. And we want the kids program just right for my kids. I want to make sure they have just enough fun, but you better give them some depth as well. I want our student facility spaces to be incredible. I want to make sure that the worship is good. My preference would be the best. And if you could preach a sermon that will make me cry, make me laugh, that would inspire me, tell me something I've never heard before and tell me how awesome I am and then send me on my way. That is what many churches have become for many families. 
We just a cruise ship here to make sure that you have everything that you need and that your experience is enjoyable and then send you on your way, hopefully refreshed, and then next week come back. And so listen to me, like on a cruise ship, the whole purpose of a cruise ship is for you to go on the ship to be served. New Beginnings Baptist Church is not a cruise ship. God help us if we ever become one. Do we wanna serve one another? Yes, we have parking team, by the way. We need to give it up for our parking team, like 20-something degrees this morning. They were out there serving. 7.30, guys in coveralls, literally getting ready to go out and, uh, and serve. So we're gonna have great parking attendants. We're gonna have people at the door saying hello. We're gonna have coffee, hopefully hot for you when you get here. And we're gonna have a warm environment. We Hopefully you leave being encouraged and inspired and you learn something and it's a great experience for you. But listen to me, the goal of what we're doing here is not just for you to come and be served. It is for us to serve one another. It is for us to engage in life together in a way where we come into this place for one sole purpose and that is to love Jesus and exalt his name together and in doing so we encourage one another and lift each other up. And so when you see the church like a cruise ship, you, you, you begin to think that really you don't have a mission other than to be cared for. But here's what we want the church to become here at New Beginnings. We want you to see the church. This is what our, our, our mission statement does. We want you to see it like an aircraft carrier. Like if you know anything about these various ships here, an aircraft carrier uh, is a powerful boat. It is a massive boat. And here's what it does. It gets in close proximity to the battle, far enough to not be in the battle, but close enough to be a safe place from the battle. An aircraft carrier has the responsibility of sending soldiers to the battle lines and then being a place that they can come and find reprieve. So when someone's out in the battle, they come back to the aircraft carrier and what do they find there? They find more ammunition and they are equipped with more information they need to accomplish the mission. And when they get back, they're cared for, wounds are bandaged and they get food and they get to rest and they get to hang out with other soldiers. And we might be reminded, I'm not in this alone. And so when they get back onto the ship, here's what happens. They come out of the battle in order to be refreshed, equipped, encouraged, and then deployed back on the mission. And listen to me, church family, that is what this Sunday gathering is all about. It is about this being a place where you can come in from the battlefield, limping in with the wounds and the scars of life. Come into this place where you can be equipped, you can be given more spiritual ammunition, where you can get some rest and refreshment. So as we come together and center the preaching of God's word, and as we worship and as we share life together in small groups and engage with one another, that through that experience, we are prepared again for battle. And then when we say, amen, you're dismissed, guess what we're doing? We're deploying you back onto the mission field. That's the heartbeat of Sunday gathering. Do you recognize this morning, like, like this is the way we need to see it. The mission of God has been given to every single one of us to live every single day. So like today, in just a few moments, when we say, hey, we love you, church, you're dismissed, and we send you out, you need to understand that what's happening in that moment is there is a, an invasion of the kingdom of God in our community. Like when we leave this place, there is an invasion of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus, and we are invading enemy territory so that we can advance the mission of God right here in our community. And we've got to see it this way. You've got to see yourself in that light. That We are called to the mission, every single one of us. Now I say all of that. That's the longest introduction you'll ever hear me, not ever probably. I could probably go longer. 
but I want you to hear this. I've said all this to say, look, th- th- this is the heartbeat. And I don't think there would be a Christian in the room that wouldn't say, yeah, I want that. But if we're honest, we don't live like that. Like if we're honest, we don't live out the mission in every day. And listen, I don't think it's because we don't love Jesus. I don't think it's because we don't think there's value in the mission. I don't think it's because we don't know that that should be our mission. Here's what I think it is. I think our lives have become so chaotic and so out of line with kingdom priorities that we don't know where to start on the mission of God. And so today, I think it's gonna be very helpful and practical for you. I know it has been for me in preparation and preaching already today. Let me get you to grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, I'm gonna give you the context. We're gonna start reading in verse 25. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter six, we're gonna start reading in verse 25. Um, So Matthew chapter six is the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is talking about what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be priority in your life. And he is saying very clearly in the verses leading up to verse 25 where we're gonna start that listen, our hearts need to be undivided. That there must be devotion to the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God must take priority over everything in our life. That the mission of God must be the highest priority, fully devoted to it. And so here's what he does. He he tells us this. And then in verse 25, he says this. He's going to give us, verse 25 through verse 32, he's going to give us two applications by way of commands. The the first command he gives us, the first application is going to be negative. And he's actually going to say it twice. The second application, the second command, he's gonna give us at verse 31 and 32, and it's gonna be a positive command. In other words, Jesus is gonna say, stop this, but start this. Don't do this anymore, but rather do this. And in that, he's gonna show us what it looks like for us to live in pursuit of the mission of God. If you're there, say, I'm there. Matthew 6, 35, Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or your body, uh, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now stop here for a minute. That's where you find the first command. Jesus, the first command is this. Stop being anxious about your life. Stop being anxious about your life. The word anxious there is a word that you should circle or underline there. This word is not necessarily talking about the clinical anxiety that maybe we think of when we think of anxiety or being anxious. The word literally means, in the original language, it means to be divided many directions. The word anxious here means to be, have a divided care or to be drawn a number of different d- directions. Another way of saying it is this, is this an- be, being anxious is being distracted in the heart by the things in life that truly don't matter. It's... it's internally us being distracted by the things in this life that really don't matter. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is addressing a people that lived in a culture with constant anxiety and worry and distraction about the basic necessities of life. That Jesus is writing to a culture, many of them live day to day. They didn't live like where we're, we buy groceries for the week or we you know, buy clothing and we have it to last us whatever season we're in. And this particular day, from the time the people woke up to the time they went to bed, their life was in an obsessive, uh, obsessive pursuit of what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? Is the shelter gonna be adequate? Is it gonna be uh, uh, enough for me to provide for my family? Are they gonna eat? So there was this, this constant anxiety and constant distraction from the time that they got 
add up. It was like, what, what are we gonna eat today? Okay, I gotta find food. Is there gonna be enough food? I gotta make sure it's, it's food that will last us. If it's left over, we gotta make sure we store it. And so there was this obsession. Okay, now I've got food. What about what we're gonna drink? We gotta go to the well. We gotta get the jars. We gotta fill them up. We gotta make sure we bring them back. Is there enough for everybody? What about clothing? Are the clothing is, we have one garment of clothing per person probably in the household. Is there gonna be clothing when this clothing wears out? And do I need to make more clothing? And what about our shelter? Is our house falling apart? Are we gonna have adequate resources and supply? And here's what's happening. Jesus is talking to a culture that every single day, that's how they lived. Constant state of anxiety. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? Where are we gonna live? What's gonna happen tomorrow? I don't know what's gonna happen next week. And they're constantly being worked up over the basic necessities of life. And here's what Jesus does. Listen to this. Jesus says, stop living like that. And this is why, eyes right here. Jesus says, because there's more important things to life than that. Jesus is saying, your whole life is being lived with this great anxious pursuit of the necessities of life. And yes, while they are necessities, they're not what your life is all about, but yet you're making it the center of your life. Stop being anxious about your life, what you're gonna eat. Isn't your life more than just food and clothing and shelter and water? The answer is, of course it is. And what's the point Jesus is making? Jesus is saying, listen to me. What's happening is, is that rather than as kingdom people pursuing the kingdom with your life, you are getting caught up in the everyday routine pressures of life and you're living a life that's consumed with that rather than my kingdom. That the mission is being lost because of the distractions of life. With all the distractions and busyness, there is a loss of focus on the kingdom and the mission. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Listen, this is gonna be very, very helpful. I want you to hear this statement. This is, I believe, what Jesus is saying. He wants us to see this morning that distraction derails mission. Distraction derails our mission. You see, when we're living an anxious life, we're being divided in a number of different directions. And listen, it's only, only a matter of time before the mission of God is derailed in our life. Just think about this practically. If you have a train that's on tracks, it has to be on tracks because it's a train and it's going a certain direction and it, it, it knows where we're going and where we're going, the track is gonna divide and I can either go west where I don't wanna go or I can go east where I want to go. What has to happen if that train is gonna remain on the track is that there's gonna be a, a gear that's, that's, that's changed in the track that's gonna move it from being westbound to being eastbound. But what happens on that train track if that gear gets stuck in the middle? It's going to derail the entire train. Why? Because it has to be on its tracks. And if there is divided tracks, then there's going to be a derailed train. It either needs to go west or it needs to go east, but it can't go both directions at the same time. And any attempt to try it will cause a massive, massive problem, which is, I believe, the heart issue that we have right now in our culture is that so many of us live lives that are just distracted. Just think about what Jesus was talking about with this early audience. He talks about what they eat and what they drink and what they wear and the busyness of life and the anxiety of life that's coming in, in that context. Now, now take that context, move over to our context and multiply that times 10,000. Multiply it times a million. Do you know the number of decisions we have to make every day? 
the number of just basic everyday life things that we're asked to do and we're doing with our life, the, the number is overwhelming. It's like with all the advancements of technology and the resources and the opportunities in everyday life, we are people that are filled with constant anxiety. We are drawn a million different directions. We've become so distracted. Listen, we've become, I believe, this culture right now, all generations that make it up, we are the most angst, distracted generation, our culture rather, in the history of humanity. I mean, this is our life. You know, you're reading Jesus' context. Like all they had to worry about is what they're gonna eat and drink and what they're gonna wear. That seems easy. But for us, there's all kinds of stuff. Like we get up in the morning and I don't know how your life is, but I'll just confess to you, my life, like when I get up in the morning, my mind is going a million miles an hour of all the things that I've got to get done and I got to get here and I got to get there. Got to have that conversation. Got to respond to that message. Then I got to go over and make sure that this thing is ready. And then, oh, there's other, there's other work that people are depending upon. I've got to get that done. When that's done, man, okay, I've got 14 things over here. I got to try to catch up over there. And then you go to bed and you drag to bed and you're exhausted and you're tired and you can't even shut your mind off because you're still thinking thinking about all the things you didn't do and at the same time thinking about the things you have to do the next day. Hello? This is our culture. This is not rare for me. This is all of us. And somewhere along the way, the mission of God gets derailed from our life. The level of anxiety is an all-time high. We are being bombarded by more things being added to our life. And listen, we can't keep up with what we're doing. And yet every single day, there's more being added. You feel that? I mean, just the number of social media accounts some of you try to keep up with, like just mind-blowing to me. Uh, you need a full-time administrative assistant to work, like just to work your social media account. And it's just crazy. And this is one of the reasons the studies tell us that the average Christian spends less than 25 or 30 minutes a week reading their Bible, but the average American spends at least three and a half hours a day on their phone. And just in, on that phone, more information, more things I'm not living up to, more expectations being driven into my mind and my heart. And I feel like I'm failing already. And then every time I open my phone, I feel like more of a failure and I can't keep up. And oh, by the way, while I'm doing that, I'm not doing other stuff. And it just builds and builds and builds. Do you feel it in the culture? Like, raise your hand, just, just so we confess in this room. All morning long, we've done this. Hey, raise your hand if you feel that in your own life. Yeah. It's there. And Jesus is saying, listen, here, here's what you gotta understand. Distraction derails our mission. And that's why most of us are not living the mission of God every single day. Because we're being pulled a hundred different directions every second of the day. We have no margin in our life. Let me illustrate it for you like this. Uh, some of y'all are wondering what these boxes are all about. And... Um, they're red. And you're like, Valentine's is tomorrow. Hey, it's crumble for everybody. It's not really. Um, but all right. So I want you to think of it like this. Let me get Pastor George. You guys give Pastor George a hand as he comes up here. Um, I was telling one of the earlier services, if, if, if you ever go anywhere with Pastor George for lunch or anything, just know whatever time you have, add 30 minutes to it because the dude knows everybody in the county in all the counties of Texas, I believe. And he's like, everybody's like, oh yeah, George and I are best friends. I'm like, how many best friends do you have? Everybody loves this guy. But um, so George is gonna help me. I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think this red box represents the mission of God. 
The great, go be a disciple who makes disciples. Live the mission of God. And so George, listen, the great commission says, as a follower of Jesus, you would be a disciple that makes disciples. So here's the great commission. So George gets the great commission. And so George, do you love the great commission? Do you believe in it? All right, you got it? You understand it? All right, so George is the average Christian. He, he understands this. And I think most of us in this room, we get this. But here's what happens. What happens is, is that, yeah, they, they, we get the Great Commission. The enemy doesn't care. He doesn't mind if you have the Great Commission. He doesn't mind if you understand the calling that God has given you. But what he's also going to do with that is, is all the pressures of culture, he's just going to let build up in your life. So, George, okay, good. You got the Great Commission. But, man, don't forget about your family. I mean, they need a lot of your time as well. And so your family you know, has to be priority. And be priority means, means that you've got to constantly be trying to live in better places, drive better vehicles. And, by the way, your kids need the best education possible. And uh, if you're really going to love your family, your kids need to play a sport or two or three um, and don't forget about the music. We want them to be real, well-rounded there. And, um, and so now, George, look, you've got to make sure you're balancing all of that. And oh, by the way, you haven't called your mom in a week and you really need to do that. Your mom actually thinks you don't love her anymore. And so uh, we're going to put that burden on you. And so, George, listen, I know that you're doing all those things, but listen, if you're really going to do that, you got to get more education, all right? We need to make sure that you go to three circles of evangelism class because you really need to get that nailed down uh, a little bit. And, oh, by the way, George, you got some friends. They feel like you don't love them anymore and you're not getting any guidance time. And so you got to make sure you, you get that in. And oh, by the way, George, listen, don't forget about your health. If you want to live the mission of God, you got to be in the gym a couple of times a week. George, you're dropping things on me right now. I need you to help me. And George, oh, by the way, look, so you're going to the gym. That's awesome. But have you posted what you've been doing at the gym here lately? Um, and now what are people going to think about those posts? Are they going to even, even think that you're in the gym at all? And while you're doing that, oh, by the way, you've got uh, not just one post, but you've got Snapchat and you've got Twitter. And uh, we've got to make sure we do. Does anybody do Facebook anymore? Uh, Facebook is on there somewhere. George, you're not able to get all of this stuff. What are you doing, man? All right, so we've got this going on right here. So George, also don't forget this, that in the midst of this, you're dropping things left and right. And uh, you've got to get your retirement built up. You've got to make sure that your kids, make sure their college is paid for. And then we've got to make sure that you get them to school on time, to practice on time, to music practice on time. And we've got to make sure, by the way, Valentine's Day coming tomorrow. Don't forget that. You better make it romantic. Your marriage is going to fall apart, George. And then on top of that, George, you've got to make sure that you find some you time. Listen, don't forget you and all of this and make sure that you, you get what you need. George, listen, and by the way, we need you also, you see what's happening here? I want to just pause for a second. How many of you would say this is how you feel every day? Yeah. It's how you feel every day. Expectations mounting, pressure mounting. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. He still has the mission. Think he's being effective with it? It's still there. It's just buried underneath everything else he's got going on in his life. If I was to ask George, George, do you love Jesus? Absolutely, I love Jesus. George, do you believe in the mission of God? Yes. You have a burden for the lost? Absolutely, I have a burden for the lost. You know that there's more to life than what you're doing? Yeah. He's got the box. It's just buried beneath everything else. And I hear this to me, believer. I think this is why we're being ineffective at taking Jesus to the world around us. It's because it just gets lost somewhere in the mix and we feel overwhelmed. And we're walking, look, and here's the thing. George is dropping boxes left and right and then we have the guilt on top of that. 
And then as we try to pick up something else, something else falls. And it's just a constant cycle of trying to manage everything that is being placed upon us. And here's what Jesus is saying. Stop being anxious about what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna drink and what you're gonna wear and what you're gonna post and when you're gonna graduate and who you're gonna marry and what the kids are gonna think and what their you know, basketball's gonna do and what their softball's gonna do and how your retirement's gonna end and, and all of the things that we go through every single day. He says, stop being so anxious about all of these things because there's more to life than those things. You follow? You guys give Pastor George a hand. He's gonna have a hard time putting that stuff back out here. This, this, listen to me, don't, don't miss this. The mission of God gets lost in all of this. Listen to this, it gets buried beneath it. And it's not that we don't love the mission, believe in the mission, wanna do the mission, it's that we don't have the bandwidth, the margin, or the space for the mission. And I think it's because we see the mission wrongly. And see, here's the thing. The enemy, listen, his, his greatest weapon against you of accomplishing what God wants you to do is not to make you think that the mission is not important, but just to see that the mission gets buried under all the mountain of anxiety that you're carrying every day. I love what Ben Stewart says about this. Ben Stewart uh, says this. He says, distraction is the great enemy of devotion. The way the enemy derails you, don't miss this line. The way the enemy derails you from the one thing, which is the mission, is to fill you with anxiety over the many things. And that's what he does. If, if he's gonna get us off the mission, how does he get us off the mission? To give us distracted and looking at everything but the mission. He doesn't care if you love Jesus, know Jesus, care about people and want them to know Jesus. But if he can keep our hearts full of anxiety and distraction and keep us looking at all different directions, listen, then he's won the battle already. And here's the, the problem with this. Jesus says this again in verse 31, the second time he says the same command. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. Stop being distracted. He said, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? And what shall we post? And what shall we graduate? And who shall we marry? And what all of the things we do. Why? Why does he say stop this? Look what he says. For the Gentiles seek these things. The non-believers is what he's saying. The pagans seek those things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. In other words, there should be a fresh or reordered priority in our life of, because, because of that lower anxiety, because we understand there's someone greater in control of our life. But when we live like what we saw just a moment ago, listen, we look no different than the world around us. So here's what happens. Not only does the enemy with anxiety derail us from our mission, in that we lose our distinction. We look just like the rest of the world. We pursue the same things they do, the same priorities they do, make the same choices for the same reason they do, and we look just as frantic and busy. Pa Pastor Daniel did a devotion for our staff last week. That was so good, but he, he made the statement. He says, the number one answer to the question that people give when they're asked, how are you? I'm fine, just busy. We just all live busy lives and the mission of God gets lost. And, and listen to me. I would go as far as to say, if you looked at the average Christian family and look at the, what they're carrying and the way that they make decisions and the way that they process priorities and the things that they're living for and the things that keep them up at night, here's what I would, I would dare to say. If you look at the average 
Christian family and compare them to the average non-Christian family, I would say to you it's the same value system, same decision-making process, and the same amount of anxiety for the same reasons keeping them up at night. And it just shouldn't be this way. We look and live just like the world, and so now we lose our mission, we lose our distinction. And so Jesus is addressing this. I'm gonna give you the answer for this. It's found in the positive command. It's the second application. Look what he says in verse 33. Jesus gives the second command. He says, but, so rather than being anxious, what's the replacement of anxiety? Being distracted. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everybody say first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Let me give you a translation for this, all right? This is just a a, a paraphrase of what we just read. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, but you pursue God's mission for your life above everything else and the rest will fall into place or will find its place. But you, rather than being anxious about what you're gonna eat, drink, wear, all those things, but you pursue the kingdom of God above everything else and when you do that, everything else will find its place. So here's, here's, here's the important part of this. Jesus is saying, listen, seek the kingdom of God. And here's why. The first point I made was this. Distraction derails our mission. Here's point number two. Devotion drives our mission. What you were devoted to gets done. What you're devoted to gets done. Devotion drives our mission. When Jesus says this, he says, seek first the kingdom. The reason I said a moment ago, say first, because the first is the key word there. Seek first. It's a... It's a word uh, in the original language. It doesn't mean first like in ranking, like one, two, three. It's first as in, it's the Greek word protos where we get the word priority. In other words, it's, it's prioritize the kingdom of God above everything else. It should be not just first among many. It should be the first over everything. It's the priority of your life. This is the point that Jesus is making because devotion drives our mission. It goes back to verse 24, what he says earlier, just before we get into the verses we're in today. Jesus says this, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And the point of verse 24 does not just apply to money. The point is anything that competes for the affection and devotion of our heart. Listen, Jesus is saying, you need to either be devoted to it or devoted to me. Either you need to be wholeheartedly in for the kingdom where the kingdom trumps everything in your life, or you need to make sure you just go go at it with the world, but I'm not going to receive half-hearted devotion. When you're devoted to me, you'll seek first the kingdom of God. Listen to this. We will not pursue the mission of God with our life until the mission of God becomes our life. We will not pursue the mission of God with our life until the mission of God becomes our life. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God, eyes right here for a second. He is not telling us, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, he's not saying, make the kingdom of God important in your life. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God, make the kingdom of God your life. Not important, make it your life. Everything's about the kingdom. So you say, what are you, what, what are you, what are you trying to say here, pastor? Are you trying to tell us that we should do nothing with our life other than live uh, you know, as missionaries and just hope that we get uh, fed and hopefully our kids get to college and hope that we have a place to live? Are you telling us don't do anything with our life other than uh, serve on mission? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling. No, it's not, I'm kidding. That's not what I'm saying. What am I saying? I'm saying, 
reorder your life to be so focused on the kingdom of God that nothing interrupts your mission. And here's what this means. It means that you've got to stop living your life as if the mission is a part of your life and start seeing the mission as your life. And those two things are not the same. So here's the difference. I'm gonna show you the difference. For most of us, this is how we live our life. We have the kingdom of God box and it's part of who I am. And like well, earlier, I handed it to George and George believed the mission. He had the mission. He understands the mission and even loves the mission. But the mission was just one of many things that George was adding to his life, right? And this is why many of us have the mission of God inactive in our life. It's because it's one among many and you can't do everything. You will only do the things that are most urgent to you in that moment. And when our hands are full of all the stuff of the world, listen, everything is urgent and the things that are right in front of us, that's what we're gonna do. And the mission gets buried beneath all of it. So we've gotta shift from seeing the mission as a part of my life, one thing among many things, we've got to trade for a bigger box. This box, this represents your life. This box represents, listen to this, where you live, work, and play, and everything in between. This, this is the sum total of who you are. This is where you live, your neighborhood, how you interact with people at the grocery store, the job that you have, the career choices that you make, the decisions to prioritize in your family, the recreation, the hobbies, all of those things. Listen, th- th- these things right here, th- this, this, this is your life right here. And when you see the mission of God as your life, listen, the mission won't be one thing added to the many. It will be the thing that the many find their place in. And if they don't find their place in it, then they don't belong. You tracking with me? You see, the difference is adding on things to our life and the other one is letting things into our life. And so the mission of God, where I live, work, and play, I'm gonna live on mission. Everything in my life is gonna be about the mission. Everything I do is gonna be about the mission. And so, yes, I've got my family, but my family are gonna have kingdom priorities because, listen, this is about the mission of God, not just about the happiness of my family. And so, yes, are we gonna pursue the career, but the career is not gonna be about my personal advancement. It's gonna be the advancement of the kingdom of God. So yeah, I'm gonna take my job seriously and I'm gonna do it with excellence. And yes, should I be healthy? Yeah, I should be healthy. But listen, let's just be honest. No one cares how much a 45-year-old can bench press for crying out loud. So now the gym is not just about my health. The gym now is a, is a, a place that I can go and engage with men and women who are far from Jesus and introduce him to them. So now, do we have uh, recreation for my kids? Are they gonna play um, some sports? Sure, they're gonna play some sports, but we're gonna limit the number of sports because not everything can fit. And do I need education? Sure, if God opens up doors for me to, to be sh- sharpened in my knowledge and understanding to serve him better, I'm gonna take opportunities. Should I care about my retirement? Yes, but I wanna make sure my retirement, that the plans for my retirement are centered on the mission of God. I just don't wanna go on trips the rest of my life in my latter years. I wanna make sure I'm making a difference. So I'm gonna build my retirement around the mission of God. And, and as I do that, I'm gonna prepare my kids for college, but not just to go to the college because that's where I went to college and that's where my parents went to college. No, I'm gonna find out what college do my kids kids want to go to? 
What college are they being called to by God? What's gonna prepare them most for the mission? And so I'm gonna make sure that that fits in. And am I gonna make sure that I'm caring for my extended family? Yes, I'm gonna do that because I love Jesus and I want them to love Jesus. Am I gonna serve in, in various places in the community? Yes, but the platform is not for me to have my family build up our name, but it's for the great commission to be advanced. So it's only gonna fit in, in the, if the box goes. And so as we put stuff into our life, what happens is eventually our life gets full. But when the mission is your life, here's what you do. You begin to evaluate You begin to assess what can fit and what doesn't fit. So you begin to look and go, okay, maybe it's it's not the smartest thing for my kids to play on three different travel teams simultaneously. I know that's foreign, right, in our culture. Maybe rather than having, you know, Johnny and Susie and every extracurricular activity possible known to planet so that I had to go to this practice, that practice, this game, to that game, to this thing over here, to that thing over here. So I don't even talk to Susie or Johnny until about the time I put them to bed. And those conversations are brief. So now I'm losing the mission out of the life. Maybe we go, you know what? I don't think this fits. I don't think this, but this, this is actually much better here. So let's just set those aside. That's maybe another season of life. We'll do that. Why? Our box is full. If I try to squeeze anything else in there, the mission is going to be derailed. And then the things in my life that I let in my life are, are kingdom platforms. And I'm creating margin in my life. And can I just say, listen, as a, I'm a, I'm a, we have a young family and we're going 90 to nothing. I'm telling you, this, this message right here, my wife's on the front row and she's smiling the whole time. She's like, this is us. This is us. And we're making, literally, there are days where we make six or seven trips to the school in one day of shuttling kids back and forth. And we gotta get to this practice and that practice and that thing and the next thing and then the friend thing and then, the, and then we have gotta go on date nights. And we've got, so is it all, we understand that. And I'm telling you right now, Unless we create margin in our life by filtering everything through mission, that my life is the mission. And so does that, that means now, guess what? When I coach my kids' ball team, I'm not coaching it to get W's. I'm not coaching it to give trophies. They're gonna end up in some attic with dust all over them. I'm coaching those teams because on those teams, there are kids that don't know Jesus and I need to invest in them. And there are parents that are on those teams that need to build a relationship with. And so therefore, we're not gonna play on four or five different teams at the same time or even two or three. We're gonna focus on where we are. Listen, by the way, can I just tell you, there's there's a statement that I'm learning to repeat over and over and over again that I think is, is so helpful. Listen, if we would just learn to be where we are, Like some of you even to, like right now, the time in this space has been, been being filled up with thoughts of the next space you're about to go to. So maybe if we downsize the number of teams my kids play on, there might be margin for rather than us racing from one game to the next game to the next game to the next practice, there might be saying, hey, why don't y'all come over for a barbecue and let's cook out where we can talk about Jesus. I love what Pastor Brad told me after the first service. He said he heard a statement he loves. He says, where there is no margin, there is no ministry. Where there is no margin, there is no ministry. And what we end up doing is living fast-paced lives where we're busy doing everything and accomplishing nothing. Is it possible? Eyes right here for a second. Is it possible? 
is it possible that we could actually do less in our life and at the same time do more with our life? Is it possible that we could do less, have less in our life, but do more with our life? And so let me just give you the bad news this morning. Hey, every single one of you, your life is writing a book. And it's just the book of your life, the story of your days. And the reality for every single one of us in this room is that there is going to be a day when the final words of your book are completed and the book's gonna be closed and your life is gonna be over. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Some of you, you, like, it could be me. Some of us in this room, we might be on the final chapter, maybe on the final page, maybe the final paragraph. Some of us were right in the middle. You don't know where you are in the book, but just know there's gonna be a final paragraph. There's gonna be a period. And the book's gonna be closed. And that book is gonna contain the story of your life. My question for you this morning is, what is your story gonna be? Is it gonna be, oh man, like they, they, man, they were able to multitask like nobody's business. Their kids were playing in six different sports at the same time, and they only had one kid. It was amazing. And they were pursuing all kinds of stuff, volunteering in the community, and they were on this board and on that board, on that team, on this deal over here. And man, they had a successful career and all of these things. Are they gonna just talk about how busy you were? Or is the story of your life gonna be Man, they, they were busy, but it always seemed like they had just enough margin in their life for people. I remember him. He would walk slow through the office when everybody else was in a hurry. And when he looked you in the eye and asked how you were, he meant it. I remember her. At the ball games, she didn't get caught up in whose kid was getting what. I mean, she just, she seemed to have a joy and there was no hurry and no busy and she listened to me when I was talking about my marriage that was falling apart. I remember how they used to have us over for dinner and I know they were busy. We'd sit and talk and laugh and Jesus was always at the center of that conversation. I saw him as a dad and now he said no a lot of times to the kids' extracurricular activities but he was always there. And he wasn't just there, he was there. What is the story of your life gonna be? So I wanna help you hear me say this. Listen, the world has told you a lie. You can't do it all. And you can't have it all. And I don't care what the world tells you, you can't. Like, I'm gonna love you enough to tell you that. You can't, so you better choose. What matters most? Because the chapter's gonna be closed, the book's gonna be come to an end, life is gonna be over. And here's what happens. The Bible tells us on that day, we're gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is to Christians. We're gonna stand before Jesus, and, and it says that God is gonna display all of the works, all the things that were in a book, in our book, a life that we lived. 
He said that our, our works and actions in this life will be tested by fire. And everything in our life will go under the flame of God's judgment and everything that is burned up, those are all the things that we just did for ourselves. But the only things that are gonna last are the things that were done for the mission. It's gonna be the things that last for eternity. And I don't know about you, the, the older I get, the more I'm realizing, man, on that day, it's not that I just want a bunch of awards or rewards in heaven, but I want for the Father who sent his son to die for me, to resurrect, to give me life, to be able to say, well, John, like you, like it, it stood the test. It didn't burn up. We get to choose that. We get to choose that. So here are the two questions for Christians this morning. If you're a believer in the room, here's the first question I'm gonna ask you. Does your life look more like this or does it look like George looked earlier? I mean, are you, are you, and I'm not telling you this is not, this is easy. This is still a juggling act. But it's a completely different way of approaching life. Which, 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 which one do you look like? Which illustration? This or like George? It's the first question. Here's the second question. Right now in your life, what are the one or two things that you know I should have said no to, but I said yes to? And because of that, it's costing me mission. What are the one or two things in your life right now you should have said no to, but you said yes to? And because of that, it's costing you mission. I want you to wrestle with that and ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment on how to maybe downsize to maximize. Downsize what you do so you can maximize what you do. So that's for believers. For unbelievers, look at me for a second. Hey, the question for you is not a priority. Here's the question. Are you in the kingdom? See, we're talking about kingdom life here. You can't have kingdom life without having the king. Jesus, the king, died for you. Cover your sin. He resurrected and says, hey, I want to give you life that matters. Life for eternity but you've got to repent of your sin and turn to me and bow and let me be your king. And when you do that, you enter into a new sphere of life called the kingdom of God where Jesus reorders everything and you follow him. If you've never done that, today is a great day for you to do that. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand and when you do, just stand and quietly just bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna have a time of response. Believers, the first two questions are for you. Which illustration does your life look like right now? And what are the things you should have said no to that you said yes to that's eliminating the mission from your life, distracting the mission from your life? My call for you is to repent, come to this altar, pray with one of our prayer encouragers, kneel at your seat. But don't leave this place with being just a hearer of the word, be a doer. Ask him to reprioritize your life. For those of you who are not believers, is Jesus your king? The answer is no, you're not a believer. All you gotta do is pray and say, Jesus, I need a savior. Come and live inside of me. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I want you to be my king forever. If you pray that prayer this morning, then I'm gonna encourage you to leave your seat and come and tell one of our encouragers that you did that. Jesus, we give this time to you. Do with it what you desire. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.